What's up, everybody? I'm Kenny Love. This is Everything Under the Sun. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Yo, 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 hello. yo, yo. Okay. Hello, 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 hello. <laughs> okay, hey. Asher Woods. Are we starting? Do you have like an intro? Yeah. Or is it like? Yeah, I'm just like welcome. Like to... you beatbox, right? Hey. I'll, I'll beatbox. Give me a five. Okay. Well, I am here today with one of my best friends. Uh, Asher, introduce yourself. Uh, hi, my name is Asher. I'm one of Kenny's best friends. Period. Okay. <laughs> Asher, I know that, you know, you get stage fright easy mm-hmm. and just things like that. Yes, yes. So don't feel so uncomfortable. Just know that we're having a normal conversation. Okay, buddy? Right, right. Okay. But other than that, I need to turn myself down. Jeez Louise. Is that better? Okay. So other than that, um, I do want to start opening up every, every episode with this question right here, this hard-hitting question. And this question will make you rethink your life. It'll make you think if you want kids. It'll make you consider who you're going to marry growing up. But it is, Asher Woods, what is uh, a common misconception that you've been taught throughout your life pertaining to things church, life, and religion? Um, hmm. you told me that you'd ask me this question before we got on the podcast, but I still not prepared. Um, sorry. No, it's not. There's the thing is there's a lot, right? And that, and that sucks that I can say that, but uh, there really are so many misconceptions that just are spread common throughout the church. And especially, um, I was in a lot of churches, different churches growing up and there's just, I mean, a lot of things that people just get wrong and um, I don't blame them. The Bible's very thick. It's very difficult. I probably get a million things wrong and just don't know it yet. Um, but speaking on the topic of you mentioned marriage and it made me think of this. And I don't know if this is a misconception as much as it is just something that we focus on too hard. But um, I'm in, I do a lot of youth work. And every week, you know, you see a kid and they come up and they talk about how much they are so excited for like relationships and marriage. And all they want to talk about is dating. And you know, half the youth leaders are only in there so they can set up this guy with this girl. And um, I don't know if this qualifies as a misconception, but it is one of the things that I struggle with the most in the church. And it's just the massive emphasis we place on the romantic relationships. Mm, That's good. Um, There's no doubt that that there is an emphasis in the church on relationships, and that's a good thing. You know, Jesus emphasized relationships and fellowship and community is very important. The body of the Christ is a big deal. But the romantic relationship side I think it could be taken down a notch or two within the common within the the church today. Um, it's ridiculous that we place this pressure on people that they need to you know be married by 24 and have having kids at 26 and you know what I mean and then retire at 60 with the love of their life. Right. You know, and now that's a that's a beautiful image and I pray for everyone that that happens. But the the reality is, it, relationships are messy and they're difficult, and we put this pressure on them to find love when they're 15, you know, and that their high school sweetheart needs to be their partner for the rest of their life. And then you get these couples who are 50 and they're a pivotal part of the church and they're, you know, they're, they're deacons and they're Sunday school teachers and they're on the board and then they get a divorce and everyone goes, what happened? You know, what happened in that marriage? And what happened is they started dating when they were 12 <laughs> and they were told they could never break up. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. And 
it's this um it's just this stigma it's this thing that we do about relationships where we put way too much of an emphasis on them we think if you're single you know you're missing something and obviously there's scripture that you know says otherwise and everyone knows the scripture and everyone references the scripture you know they say all the time you know paul says you know it's better not to get married everyone says that but no one believes it right you know that's good i feel like i felt that firsthand actually just the pressures of growing up in like this and especially like in our western culture like we've even allowed this romantic type of thing that only happens here mm -hmm. to really like strike us in the church mm -hmm. as a body as well and uh i can say that i wish that i would have you know been taught a little bit better because i would have done so much better growing mm -hmm. up with the things of uh, sexual sin and uh, just the the way I even see women mm -hmm. and who they are to me yeah um, but Asher Woods guys is a mighty man of God this man is a uh, youth pastor in the on the come up uh, he is a part of what we call here in Oklahoma uh, the awakening here in southwestern it's a organization based out of that uh, IPHC denomination uh, so he is an evangelist too, mighty teacher, and uh, yeah, again, my best friend. So. <laughs> Kenny loves my best friend. Okay. So Asher Woods, I did not prepare uh, extensively or at all. Yeah. <laughs> like did. you did. Okay. I'm so ready. so you have all the transitional points, all the mm -hmm. pivotal points, all the the talky talkies, walkies. Mm -hmm. So open us up, man. What are okay. you feeling? So. To preface this, and this is, I guess this kind of honestly, this could even tie into your original question a little bit, mm -hmm. but um, when I was trying to come up with something to talk about for this podcast, something that I wanted to discuss and kind of dive into, um, I was just kind of praying. I was driving and a song came on in my playlist and it's called Lion Man. And it's just, it's like, it's very like rock. It's like, I don't know, it goes kind of hard. It's that like about Lion right. Man of Judah. Mm -hmm. And it just sings all about it. And I love any kind of any kind of song, entertainment, like clothing that references a lions in the context of scripture and Jesus because it's such a raw image and it's dope. Don't you have lion socks too? Um, maybe I I probably do have lion socks. I know I got a lion hat. Yeah, this uh, is a sock connoisseur as well. I got socks. I got socks on socks on socks. <laughs> Continue. Um, and I just because we all and I mean personally, but I think as a culture, we love the image of Jesus as a mighty lion, mm -hmm. you know, as this big conqueror. And it's just, since I've, you know, started, ever since, you know, I really got, like, saved and started living for Christ, that's just been, like, a super dope image for me. I would probably say my favorite animal now is even a lion, because I just think it's so cool. Oh, and yeah. such a powerful creature, and it represents my Christ, who's a very powerful man. And Amen. I just really like that image, and I love that song because of it. Um, and it, really what the song talks about, though, is the lion man, the lion man of Judah, and then how he goes and dies for us, you know, and how he sacrifices. He goes up on a tree or on a cross and bears it all. And um, it's just something really, there's something really intense and important about that and understanding that. And it kind of led me through a bunch of different paths and I, stumped, I kind of finished on these questions and I have, I wanna kind of ask some questions and talk about these to get to this, this point or talk about this idea. But the first one, to kind of dive into this idea of the cross and our, our warrior king, who's really a servant king at mm -hmm. the end of the day. Um, my first question to kind of talk about all that is, if you call yourself a Christian and a true Christian, then what should the cross mean to you? Mm. 
That's deep. Is this a question for That's me? That's for you. It's okay. for you. Jesus. Put me on the spot. I thought this was my podcast. <laughs> um, I mean, man, it's, it's, it's my salvation. You know what I'm saying? Of course, the right? It represents the, this costly grace. We're actually in, in the biblical discipleship class that we have here. Uh, we're reading this book, and the first chapter was... The over. Cost of Discipleship? Yeah, The Cost of Discipleship. <laughs> have you read that? Well, you said Costly Grace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I No, but I know what it's about. Okay. I've read some of it. Okay, okay. Love and, the whole thing. And they cover pretty heavy on, um, especially in the first chapter, about costly grace versus cheap grace, mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And um, to me, the, the cross is this real symbol of, you know, like, here, this was free for you, but now it's going to cost you something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it seems yeah. oxymoronic, but... Like, it's not just a task. It's, mm-hmm. it's liberty. You know what I mean? Whenever I, I see the cross, I see freedom. And this is deep because I've actually been in my prayer with Holy Spirit. And I've been like, man, let me never forget your work, Jesus. Let me never believe that I'm too advanced, that I uh, forget the fact that, you know, by your stripes I was healed. You know what I mean? By being on the cross, my family now has the opportunity to experience life everlasting, you know what I mean? My friends that are on the deep end, they can experience the same thing. And now I look back and my whole testimony is just the power of the cross, you know what I'm saying? I remember being so down, so down bad, deep in sexual sin, deep in, you know I mean? All these other things, little drugs or whatever. And I can say that the cross, it did that for me. And I just remember encountering Jesus and like, yeah, that's practically it. Just all the things of God, man, that is, what I see in the cross mm-hmm. in Jesus. So yeah. kind of cop out answer, I guess. But no, go that's, ahead. that's exactly, that's exactly what the cross should be. Right. Yeah. Cause the cross, every religion has a symbol, you know, right. something to represent their God, you know? Right. And so in the true religion of Christianity, our symbol is a cross, you right. know, that's what our savior died on. That's where he, you know, bore our sin and our shame. Right. And it's a really big deal that we don't take that for granted. Um, I, and like, I'm not um, criticizing this. I'm not bashing people's interior design choices. Yeah. But in the South, you know, and I know like in my house, sometimes at, at, at times we had like a wall of crosses. Yeah. You ever, you know, you ever been in a house that's got like a wall of like 50 yeah. crosses yeah, absolutely. and they're all like swirly. <laughs> and, and then, you know, you walk around and everyone's got a chain with a cross on it. Right. And everyone's got like, I got like clothing brands like uh, with like cross like uh, they got nails it's like two nails going sideways and then one going up and down for the three nails yeah it's a dope shirt and I'm not bashing any of these things because they're all good things because we should represent that but um, like we we walk by that wall with 50 crosses on it every day and we forget what it means, you know? Absolutely. And it becomes an interior design choice or just a cool neck piece, Mm. you know? Or or, or a nice tattoo for our arm or our ankle or whatever it is. And it's not like a bad thing to do it. I'm not discounting any of that. And if you love your crosses on your wall and your chain, you know, that's not bad. You know, I wear all that. (laughs) I do all that. But I think as Christians, we need to strive that every time we see the cross, we remember the cross. We don't just see it as like, again, this image, but we know what happened on that day. And we understand the significance of it. Um, The crucifixion was like really, really brutal. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like the things Jesus went through, like something that I think is often forgot and really just because it's not shown. And I understand why Mm -hmm. is that realistically, Jesus would have been probably naked on the cross. Yeah. Which like that would have been the common thing at the time. And it was to embarrass them, you know, right. and put shame upon them. Right. And that's like a, we don't think about that ever, you know, because no one paints Jesus naked. 
because that's like weird. Yeah, that is weird. <laughs> and no one scoffs him naked. Right. But that's the reality is he was butt naked mm-hmm. up on a cross, bleeding, you know what I mean? Scarred. Like he'd been like spat upon, you know, mocked, ridiculed. You know, people are taking his clothes in front of him. They're casting lots for his clothes. Like it is a brutal scene, right? And I, you know what I mean? Like, and of course there's two other people that have been crucified right next to him, you know? But he did nothing to deserve it, you know? He right. was the last person who deserved it, but he took everything for us. And I don't know, just the thought of that is like really, really significant and the meaning of it. Um, I guess kind of what I'm trying to get at is like the meaning of the cross really. And this is just kind of like, I wrote this out exactly how I want to say it. So mm-hmm. we'll see if it sounds right. Is that every time you sin, or like this is the cost of sin, because every time you sin, you know, every day, like right now, if you're sinning right now, Jesus died for that sin specifically. And this may not be correct, I can't say for sure, but I honestly have enough faith in God that if that was the only sin, if no one else ever sinned, Mm -hmm. that was the one sin, I think he still would have went up on that cross just for you, just for that one sin. Right. And that means every Amen. time you're sinning, it's like you're kind of putting him back up on that cross. Right. That's good. And that's a brutal reality. Right. You know, that's awful. But that's the truth, you know. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus, you know, Jesus Christ our Lord. Everyone knows the verse. But if the wages of sin is death, like wages, like you've heard this all the time, the wages, that's what you earn, you know. You go to work, you work for a wage, and that's what you deserve. If you didn't get your wage, you'd be mad. Right. You know, you'd go to your boss and throw a fit. Right. Well, the wage, the thing you've earned, the thing you've worked hard for your whole life is death. That's the only mm. wage you've earned. Wow. You know, and Jesus went up on the cross and conquered that death, you know, took it, bore it all for you, and rose again so you wouldn't have to. Right. And every time you sin, you're putting them back up on that cross. You're saying, God, you know what, I, I would rather have death, you know, than you. Right. And then he says, okay, I'll, let me... And he walks back up to the cross, yes. and he gets back up there. Right. So that you can spend eternity with him. Right. And... Um, That's deep. It's, yeah, it's brutal, and it's it's kind of sad, and it makes you... What it should make you do is it should make you not want to sin ever again. Right. But we still do. And it doesn't mean, you know, you shouldn't, like... It's not like... This isn't, like, a depressing, like, go cry every time you sin and, like, be absolutely distraught. But right. there is a level of, like, you should mourn, right. you know? You should be really, really upset that you sinned, you know, that you slipped up, that you made a mistake. Absolutely. And don't hate yourself. Don't, you know what I mean? Don't fall into depression. There are, obviously, there's levels to this. Right. But, like, be upset, you know? Be, be sad. Be mad. You know what I mean? Get angry that you sinned, you know, not at other people. But understand that your flesh is weak. Yeah. And be, maybe be a little upset about that. You know, David ripped off his clothes when he sinned and, like, cried on the floor for all night, you know? Like, what do we do? We say, oh, I'm sorry, God. You'll forgive me, though. And then we move on. Right. And we don't even do that till Sunday. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's just ridiculous. We don't, we don't understand the cost of our sin, and we take it for granted, I think. We take it for granted the cross a lot. Absolutely. As I um, was diving into this and kind of, like, researching this, I mm-hmm. came across, there's a, I heard in a, in a sermon once, the whole sermon was about this, basically, a similar, similar idea. And um, the analogy or the, the thing that the preacher used was that Jesus in the Garden of uh, Gethsemane, I can never say it right, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he, you know, he makes the remark, he says, um, let this cup pass from me. Right. Right. And the cup 
isn't like a physical cup there, you know, like he's not holding the cup, but it's just like the cup of wrath yeah. would be what, he, what he's referring to, like right. God's wrath. And I've heard it called in the sermon, it was called the drag, like the drag or like okay. the cup of like drag yeah. or something like that. And really, and what he was calling it is like the leftover, the filth, the grossness of the world, the contamination of the world. And in that moment, he was metaphorically, you know, and upon the cross, he was drinking that cup. You know, he was drinking the wrath of God, the filth, the sin, all the, you know, stuff that we should be dealing with. Absolutely. And in that moment, because he was like, if that is our cup and Jesus is drinking it, he's experiencing every punishment that we deserve, you know, and that's the cup that he's talking about. Yeah. And the thing is, the funny thing is like you, that's not the first time the cup is mentioned. I'm going to shoot off like four verses here. So I'm going to read, I'm gonna re- I'll try to read them quick. Go crazy, go crazy. Jeremiah 25, 15 through 16. So the Lord, the God of Israel, spoke to me in a vision. Take this cup from my hand. It is filled with the wine of my wrath. Take it and make the nations to whom I send you drink it. When they have drunk it, they will stagger to and fro and act insane, for I will send wars sweeping through them. So obviously that's God talking to Jeremiah, speaking mm-hmm. through Jeremiah, and he's telling them, this is the cup from my hand. It is filled with wrath, and you're going to give it to all these nations. Isaiah 51, verses 17 and 22 um, wake up, wake up, get up, O Jerusalem. You drank from the cup the Lord passed to you, which was full of his anger. You drained dry the goblet full of intoxicating wine. Mm. Um, and then 22, this is what your sovereign Lord, even your God who judges his people says, look, I have removed from your hand the cup of intoxicating wine, the goblet full of my anger. You will no longer have to drink it. Again, it's just I mean, this cup of like, of just anger and rage and wrath and punishment and sin and yeah. in all these instances there's more Lamentations 421 rejoice and be glad for now O people of Edom who reside in the land of ooze but the cup of judgment will pass to you also I don't know how to ooze us. I think it's I, I think, think it's, it's ooze. ooze okay go ahead but the cup of judgment will pass to you also you will get drunk and take off your clothes yeah Ezekiel 23 28 through, 20, through uh, 34 I'm not gonna read this whole thing but um, again, it talks about the cup. Your nakedness will be exposed, just as when you engage in prostitution and obscene conduct. I will do these things to you because you engage in prostitution with the nations, polluting yourself and the idols. You follow the ways of your sisters. So I will place her cup of judgment in your hand. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. You will drink your sister's deep and wide cup. You will be scorned and derided, for it holds a great deal. You will be overcome by drunkenness and sorrow. The cup of your sister, Samaria, is a cup of horror and desolation. You will drain it dry, gnaw its pieces, and tear out your breast. For I have spoken, declares the Sovereign Lord. Mm-hmm. Right? He's speaking to Israel, saying that just as Samaria is suffering, so will they. Absolutely. He was, they will share the same cup. Um, and then the last one is, uh, and then I would say Habakkuk. Habakkuk, Habakkuk? I, say, Habakkuk. I say Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Um, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 16. But you will become drunk with shame, not majesty. Mm-hmm. Now it is your turn to drink and expose your uncircumcised foreskin. Period. <laughs> the cup of wine in the Lord's right hand yeah. is coming to you, and disgrace will replace your majestic glory. Yeah. So in every single, this is five, one, two, three, four, five verses, or just uh, little scriptures. For sure. From the Old Testament that all reference this cup. <clears throat> and it, every single time, it's God's cup. It's God's cup. It's, yeah. And it's uh, the cup of wine in the Lord's right hand that will disgrace you. It is the cup of wrath, the cup of anger, the cup of judgment. Yeah. Right. But it's all the same cup. Right. Right. It's saying you messed up. Now drink this. Absolutely. You know. Right. Now I've drank some pretty disgusting <laughs> stuff. You know. Yeah. Like, 
I hope no one from Mexico is listening to this, or not from my trip. I went on a, I went on a mission trip to Mexico. Evangelist, I told you. And we were up in the mountains of Tecumavaca, and it was amazing. But they invited us into one of their homes because they're so cordial. They're such polite people. Yeah. And they gave us this drink. Mm-hmm. And it was hot chocolate is what they said. And we were all so excited yeah. to get some hot chocolate. Right. Some, like, some like authentic Mexican hot chocolate. This Come is going to be bomb. It's gonna go like, it, was, it was cold on the mountain. The wind was blowing. Right. We were ready. Right. We walk in and it is this thick goop. And we're like, this is not. This doesn't look like hot chocolate. That's what I'm talking about. And we, we you know, they hand it to us. We take a sip and I'm like that's not hot chocolate <laughs> right so right. we someone asked one of our people that had come along with us from the church down in uh Puebla is where the church is but we were in the mountains at the time and mm. we asked someone hey what is they said this was hot chocolate what is it exactly yeah and he said oh it's um it's I don't know the exact name but it's basically they put maize 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 which is like corn uh mm. flour or whatever it's called yeah. yeah and they put it they mix it in with hot chocolate with like cocoa and stuff and it makes this thick like chocolate corn drink yeah and this isn't like (laughs) oh it's interesting it's like the top layer the top two inches is like a thick wall of like boogers like like booger texture yeah and then you get through that that film and there is like a really like liquidy like water text you know what i mean kind right. of consistency beneath it yeah and it's hot like the yeah, top okay. is cold because it's been the air has been hitting it for sure and for then sure. it's been insulating the bottom right so it's different textures <laughs> different different temperatures <laughs> it tastes the same the whole time but i wish it didn't right i wish it got better that is gross and it was just and i, I drank the whole thing oh man oh wow I th- because I, I don't remember you going into that much depth because whenever it, you explain I, this terrible drink it was my because it was my cup <laughs> And I and I and the truth is I did not want these these so they were so nice. Yeah. I did not want them to walk into that room, and go oh he and see my cup sitting in front of me full, and go, he didn't like it. Wow. So I out of my servant heart. Wow. <laughs> and I I I'm, I uh, Ollie didn't anything. So right. I powered through. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine. But Mighty and really. Man. I drink it again. Yeah, I mean, you know, of course, it, it, in that same situation, I would drink it again. Yeah, um, and I'm so sorry if someone loves that drink. It was just this idea of this was my cup. This was they handed this to me. Yeah, and it was my job to drink it. Right. You know, it wasn't a punishment; it was a gift. Yeah, but it's it's, it's a very similar idea, I think. Absolutely. Here in the scripture of this is our cup. Hmm. You know. Right. And it it should be handed to us right absolutely like it's in it's in the lord's right hand and it is coming for us we have earned it yeah and it is and it is our wage it is our gift right like we look at a wage as a positive in our culture as a whole because again you know you earn wages and that's how you survive you right. make money right this is our wage this is our gift that we have earned and it's our job to drink it and jesus swoops in on a freaking flying horse or something. Sweat. And just with a sword coming out of his mouth. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he grabs the cup out of his other hand and he drinks it for us. And he doesn't want to. Yeah. You know? He says, God, let this, let this cup pass, pass th- what is it? Let this cup pass from me. Yeah. I don't think I were from. It's okay. You know? But, you know, then he humbles himself. He says, not, not my will, but yours be done. Right. You know, we all know how that scripture goes. Right. And he drinks the cup. Absolutely. He goes, he bears all of our sin. And that is just a crazy... Like a ridiculous idea, you know, yeah. that he would do so much for us. Something interesting, and because um, this is a simple concept, right? Mm-hmm. Like Jesus bears our sin. We all know it, right? Right. I just want to talk about how significant it is. Right. Right. 
But um, there's a couple other scriptures that mention God's cup, mm-hmm. and those were all in the, those were all Old Testament that I mentioned. Um, and then obviously there's a couple in the New Testament, like Jesus in the Garden, mm-hmm. um, and there's one in Mark, which we'll get to. Actually, we're gonna go there first. Yeah. Sorry, we're okay. gonna go to that That's one cool. first. Where are we going? Uh, Mark ten, verse thirty-five through thirty-seven. Um, we'll just start in 35. We might go past 37, if I'm being honest with you. Let me know when you're there. You said 35, 37? Yeah, Mark 10, 35. 10, 35. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm here. Okay. Um, it's actually, it's also Matthew 20, 28, but I'm going to read the Mark one. Okay. Um, Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? So again, there's the cup. You know, this is the cup that I have to drink. It is my duty. They said to him, we are able, which is coming off a little cocky, but these, they just have to sit at the right hand of God. So, you know, that's kind of in their character. Right, right. Uh, And Jesus said to them, and this is the interesting part, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, Mm. you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. So that's like wow. super interesting. That is very interesting. Because it's like, I was reading and I, was, I got to this verse and I was, you know, looking at all these, I was like, you know, looking at all these verses with cups in the Bible and going through it. I was like, what does he mean? The cup that I drink, you will drink. Yeah. Because it says clearly, like, he drank the cup for us. Right. And so I kind of was doing, I was trying to do research, trying to figure it out. And I found something that um, I like and something that, well, actually, it's the first thing I found. Okay. And I kind of kept looking and, this is like what I think is the most accurate and the, okay. the best way to explain this. For sure. But the way it comes, so the way this reads, and I'm, I'm taking Greek right now, but I'm not like fluent. And so I'm trusting the source on this because I'm not quite, I can't, not perfect. I can, get, I can tell you the Greek alphabet, but that's about it. Go crazy. I can, I can actually, I can, I can read words. I just don't know what they mean. He's flexing. I can pronounce them. Well, Greek, uh, Greek scholar as well. In, in, in two years maybe, um, or, or more. But... <laughs> Basically, they asked this question, and as this, as the Greek suggests, according to the source, that when Jesus replies to them in verse 38, I believe, is the one where he says back to them, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or baptize the baptism with time baptized? That verse 38, mm-hmm. um, the way it reads in Greek, it, it reads as a like, a, like a rhetorical question. Yeah. So he's saying, he's basically saying you can't. Right. You know, you will not drink from the cup that I drink. You will not do this. But he's, you know, he's asking it like a, like a teacher would. You know, are you, yeah. really, are you able to do that? Right. Um, and that doesn't make any sense, though, because why would he say are you able to? And then they say yes. They come in with this confidence because um, it has that negative connotation of this, mm-hmm. you know, the answer is no. And then they come with the confidence. And then all of a sudden he says yes, you know. Right. Like we would expect just based off the question. Since we know that in the original Greek it would have had a negative meaning, right. that they would have replied, "No, we can't." You know, they would have answered his rhetorical question correctly, but they were very confident in their and in, in this in that they could bear this cup and take this and take the same shame and the same baptism that Jesus had. And so, what this suggests, and, and I really like this, is that when James and John told Jesus they could drink his cup and endure his baptism, Jesus agreed that they would drink his cup and receive his baptism because he wasn't saying they would atone for the sins of others because that's, the grammar makes it impossible, mm-hmm. the, the grammar in the previous question. Yeah. 
But instead, he was pointing towards persecution and all the struggles that we would bear in his name. And I, I really like that. Absolutely. I really like that idea of... That is good. We will bear... Like, our cup is no longer death, but our cup is persecution. Mm, you know? Yeah. And that's a cup I will drink. Right. You know what I mean? That's a cup I want to drink. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's that reminds me of the disciples after the rising of Jesus that were mm-hmm. persecuted uh, by law after working such bold miracles. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were threatened. I think it definitely is in the book of Acts. They're told to stop preaching Jesus and the things of God. And then they end up saying, we'd much rather serve our heavenly father mm-hmm. than we would serve yeah. th- th- this That's earthly Acts. law. That's Acts. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they're let, they're let free, mm-hmm. right? And then they, it says that they, like, rejoice as they went along because they were persecuted for mm-hmm. the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, and they weren't just let free. They were beaten before they were let free. Right, right. right. Like, they were... Like I I don't know how does it I don't remember how they were beaten it's but they were they were beaten they mm-hmm. were like and they yeah that's exactly what happened they right. rejoiced as they walked away right there's so, a yeah go, go ahead, ahead. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna I was all I was gonna say is that I just imagined this amazing picture of them all prancing and skipping away mm-hmm. because they had just finished mm-hmm. getting you know lit up for the Lord Jesus but yeah go ahead there's a again I I listen to a lot of, I love music I don't sing but I love music period and there's a song and there's a line in it. Uh, it's it's called I think it's Barry the Workman by <laughs> you know that song. <laughs> no, it, but it's like, it's kind of like it's like very uh, hip. I okay. don't know. But there's a good line in it. Okay. That's, like, I mean, it's not a worship song at all, but it's Christian. But yeah. it's got like this line in it. It says um, it says Peter is talking about. It's actually talking about persecution. The first line is talking about Stephen being stoned, and then um, the first martyr, which would have been or not Stephen's the first martyr. The first apostle that I would be James, I, I believe, and uh, Herod kills him. I'm pretty sure. Um, and then the next one is, it says, Peter, he was crucified like his beloved Lord. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, um, it's, it's like James was, went to heaven at the edge of Herod's sword. And Peter, he was crucified like his beloved Lord. Like something mm-hmm. like that. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. but I was listening to it and I was like, yo, I want to be crucified. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't, I don't want to be crucified right. at all. Yeah, but there was that. this moment of like. It was just like I was so like almost happy for Peter. Yeah. You know? Right. Like I rejoiced. I rejoiced at persecution. And it was a weird it was a weird feeling. Mm-hmm. I never really thought I'd feel that right. of like, whoa. Like he got to die like Jesus. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that and that is an, that's like an honor. You right. know what I mean? It like is an honor. like it's like talking about the significance of the cross. Wow. The if we had the opportunity to be crucified, obviously I'm not being like, hey, put me up there. Right. <laughs> put me in, coach. No <laughs> but at the same time, like, if I am sharing the gospel, you know what I mean? And and my, and my the punishment, you know what I mean? Mm. Or I get persecuted because of it, because of the mm. law of whatever land I'm in. Or, like, that's something to be, like, happy about. Absolutely. And that's difficult. Like, that's really hard. Yeah. Especially in our world, especially in the world of, like, relationships. Um, I remember having a really long discussion about... Basically, just like, you know, the Bible says, you know, not to like take up arms against people, and like as a whole, talks about like, you know what I mean. Jesus was not a violent man. He did not come to destroy the Romans. You know, he didn't come right. to build a, a physical kingdom. You know, but a spiritual kingdom. Right. And um, it was I think it was like a New Testament, and we were basically just like, it was basically some kids were arguing with the professor about that whole idea of like they were basically saying I'm not going to just stand by and watch as my friends and family are persecuted, is what they were saying. And the professor was saying, well, you kind of are supposed to. 
And it got really interesting because they got to a point where they said, what if you were your family, right? You don't have a wife or kids, I know. Imagine you do. You have a wife and kids, mm-hmm. and you're, you're a pastor, right. and you're sharing the gospel. And, the, and it's not like it's illegal, right? You're in America. Gospel's illegal. You're sharing the good news. They come and persecute you. You are okay with that persecution mm. because you went into it knowing full well what you were getting into. Do your wife and kids deserve to be persecuted for what you did? And well, should you take up arms and defend them? Right. You know? Or, or is it like, do you, it's, it's very, it's like a very interesting idea of like when you get married, that personally, that's something that needs to be, you should already, at that point, honestly, you should have already talked to your spouse and you should have already come, come to some kind of idea. If your spouse was not on board with being persecuted, you never should have been in a place where you were, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're sharing the gospel and might have been persecuted. Right. But it's like, what if you are, what if your gospel, you're sharing, you know what I mean? And you're like, yeah, I'm ready to be persecuted. But it brings death and persecution onto your family and your friends. And they don't, they're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't go into it prepared for it. I like, it's a really interesting idea. I think about it. Well, is that, that is a, that is very interesting. But in my opinion, as a man, like, I mean, if you're that deep and your family isn't already prepared for the things of God, mm-hmm. uh, then that's on you to, to lead them. What that if you way. have like, a, what if you have like a five-year-old like daughter? I mean, like she doesn't understand what's going on. Right. But she's being, but what, what, what is it? The, the age of accountability or something like yeah. that biblically, yeah. where yeah. it's like, you know what I mean? Like she's going to receive her reward in yeah. the same way, mm-hmm. you know? But when it comes to the things of, if we're breaking it down by the family and the immediate household, mm-hmm. starting with your wife, mm-hmm. you should have picked your wife having an understanding of yeah. the ministry. And yeah. you both should be on that. You should never have to comp- you should never have to compromise the ministry. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, I say never, but stuff is gonna happen. Mm-hmm. But you get what I'm saying though. Yes. Like you the the life that you live with this person that you're married to mm-hmm. shouldn't be in constant compromise with the call of God on your life. Yeah. And then when it comes to the things of kids, you know, the Bible does speak about or whatever, like training them in the way and then mm-hmm. and then they'll grow old. You know, like me at the age of like 17 whenever I really was devoted to God if my father and my stepmother who I was living with at the time would have you know gotten a situation where they're persecuted for God and we all got attacked I personally am ready for that yeah you know what I'm saying like I'm on top of that because they did that correctly and they Uh brought me up correctly yeah so I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand Mm -hmm. with you know what I mean yeah you get what I'm saying yeah it's a it's a and it's a I think when I think it's dope like, cause that's like the disciples, right? When they all left yeah. after being beaten, they this is they all rejoiced. Right, they, they were all, all rejoiced, excited. Right, but I just think about like we would we would not all rejoice. You know what I mean? <laughs> like there would be one dude who's just like, do we have to do this? Right. <laughs> why are we excited? Yeah. And that's like that's just that's just being of the same mind of people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Surrounding right. yourself with people with the same mindset and that Man. are willing to make the same sacrifices that you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like right. start putting that on your Tinder profile. Right. <laughs> Willing to die on the cross. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, bro. And you know what? I feel like that's something that's been on my heart recently is especially with the reading of this book is uh, in this biblical discipleship class, something that uh, our professor, Dr. Fox says is he opened up the class with like, you know, we, we, you and I would be considered 
radical, quote, quote, I'm air quoting, Mm -hmm. would be considered radical. And then Dr. Fox would say, he said that we would be considered radical, but in all actuality, in comparison to those other Christians nationally nationally who were living in poverty, Mm -hmm. who were living, you know, without the same structure and material blessings that we have, they, we're only, we are the average. We're mm-hmm. the 50% yeah. going hard. They are the, they yeah. are the radical. Yeah. And they're probably seeing a great manifestation of the Holy yeah. Spirit. So I see the things here, bro. Like yesterday we had chapel and uh, there was this things with small group. And uh, we were forced, is, everyone in leadership positions was forced to do the small group without, <laughs> without us being told. Yeah. I think only one of us knew. And uh, everybody, you know, we all like kind of grumbled about it. And though I love to be a small group leader, I just wish that I would have been told, you know what I'm saying? And, and then I reflect on it and I look at all of our complaining and I look at all of our frustration and stuff like that. And I'm like, forgive me, Lord. Like, yeah. I'm complaining because <laughs> yeah. I'm the leader of a small group. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And In a country where you're not persecuted. Right. I'm not persecuted mm-hmm. for my faith. At a Christian college? Like- at a Christian college. I am so, I'm, I, I, I say it all the time that I'm so privileged. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so undeserving. I'm so privileged. So now I just want this stirring in my spirit that mm-hmm. is going to send me, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, gosh, dang it. I, these prayers are dangerous, but it's like, you know, make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Bring me to that point. Very dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> but that's where I'm at. Yeah. So. It's awesome, yeah. And finding people, yeah. It's a very beautiful. I think that's a, that's an awesome thing when you get to a point. And we're all still getting there, you know? Yeah. And I like to think, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'd, uh, yeah, I'd take any persecution for God. And if, if push came to shove, I'd probably be a lot more scared than I am right now yeah, you know same. yeah but I really am confident in that absolutely like bro. if the persecution I would you know what I mean like I'm yeah. I really am you know what I mean but it is something like very interesting and weird and very countercultural. and as Christians I think I think most most aren't and I think that's something we should like work to you know like I think you walk into a church and you're like like you should be happy about being getting persecuted and they and they've heard that their whole lives right but they never they haven't thought about it really you right. know what I mean right so we did, we did, we did scriptures about God's cup, right? It's cup of wrath, judgment from the Old Testament. There's two in the New Testament that I, that I used, which is obviously Jesus mentioning it, letting it pass from him, yeah. meaning, meaning that he drank it for us. Right. And then referencing how we will share in that cup, mm-hmm. as in we will not take, we will not bear sin for others, yeah. but we will be persecuted, you know? That is like, in a, in, a, in a way, our gift, that is our wage, you know? Right. And then... Again, in the New Testament, but in Revelation, which mm-hmm. to me is like, not, it's like a whole, 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 new, whole new chapter of the Bible. You right. know what I mean? Right. Like we get out of, because the Revelation is the future. The rest of the New Testament is talking about what was going on there. You know what I mean? All yeah. letters to churches. So like, you know, Old Testament's past, New Testament's present, Revelation's future, you know, in the context of them writing this. Mm-hmm. And so these are two, two scriptures. Okay. First, we're going to do Revelation 14, 9 through 10. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, Mm -hmm. poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Revelation 16, 19. The great city was split into three parts, Mm -hmm. and the cities of the nations fell. And God remembered Babylon the Great 
to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. Hmm. So twice in Revelation, there it's a, it, it's back. Yeah, the cup of this God's cup wrath is here. It's present, and yeah. and it's like and it's like Jesus drank the cup. Right. You know what I mean? But God's wrath is back. Mm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. the world is so. I mean, and like the world is so sinful. It is so bad. You know what I mean? And it's not that Jesus wasn't enough. That's not what that means at all. You know what I mean? Jesus was enough. But this is just like, to me what it is, is it's like, this is just a brutal, like this is the end times. You know? And obviously it is. Right. But it's like, wow, like what a, his like to think that, I don't know, I don't want anyone to have to endure God's wrath. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that's what hell is. Right. You know, it is like constant drinking of his cup of, what did God's wrath poured full strength into the cup of his anger. Man. Like that's brutal. Realistically, that's what Jesus drank, mm-hmm. you know? And so we're blessed because we have, because we get because we're in a position, you know what I mean? Where we get to pursue Jesus right. and he drinks that cup for us, you know? And we don't have to, in Revelation, endure this massive torment, you know what I mean? Thank you, Jesus. His like, just, just throughout history. And I mean, it's the, you could, there's a million analogies you could use for this, you know? This the cup is the one that comes up a lot. And I thought it was kind of cool to look at and how like, you know, the Old Testament, it's like anytime, you know, the Israelites are being stupid, mm-hmm. you know, God would give them his cup yeah. <laughs> and he'd be like, drink it, yeah. you know, and he'd send a nation to destroy him or he would give it to another nation. He would give it to Jeremiah and say, hey, go, you know, give this to the nations, make them drink it. Right. And so like that was, he, he handed out his cup and he would be doing it today. You know what I mean? That should be us. But right. Jesus came and he bore that for us. And now praise God, Revelation, you know what I mean? Yes. Praise God. So it's just cool. I think it's super interesting. And that's kind of like, just like how joyful, you know what I mean? How, how much should we mourn our sin, knowing what it did to Jesus, you know what I mean? Knowing the sacrifice he made. And then also how excited should we be, yeah. knowing what it means for us, you know? The grace that's there. Um, how much we're being let off, you know? And so. That, that, that sparks an idea of having a new conversation later down the road about a lot of the, the theories and the stuff about like pre-trib, post-trib, yeah. all the junk. I won't say I've always saved. Fun stuff to address. What's the IPHC? Do you know? Uh, I have no idea. I, I don't no know idea. either. I know that we're, that we're, we don't believe in once they've always saved. Right. Right. But I don't know. I think they're pre-trib. I think they're pre I As soon as a God is pre-trib, I'm pretty sure. Okay. What are Baptists? Pre-trib? I think Baptists are weird because they're also Calvinists. Right. I, I don't know. I bet you they're pre-trip. I, bet, I think, I I think most are. people are pre-trip. Most pe- yeah, most normal people. Episcopalians are probably like <laughs> post-trip. Two-quarters trip. Yeah. <laughs> 30-cent trip. Yeah. Okay. Well, Asher, I love you, brother. I would love, love to have you back on this with another fantastic topic. Maybe a, maybe we could talk about... Revelation? Like, uh, not you just, should get Dr. Fox for that. <laughs> have Dr. Would. Fox spitting on here. Yeah. Or just, just like, uh, I don't know, common, like, fun little theories or stuff like yeah. that that's goofy about the Bible and stuff Talk like that. New, new, yeah. Right. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not going to get into that. We don't got time. Yeah. New Earth and, like, older. We'll get to that later. That We'll get to that later. It's for another episode, but not today. But other than that, again, my name is Kenny Love. This is the Everything Under the Sun podcast. If you're listening, say goodbye to Asher. Asher, say goodbye to everybody. Bye, everybody. Okay. I love you, brother. God bless you guys. Have a blessed rest of y'all day.